Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Howdy, all. It's Friday, and we're more than pleased to have Kevin Allen back on the show. Um... Guys, I wanted to bring up uh, something I was watching last night, and I, not on purpose because, you know, Ottawa-Buffalo isn't exactly – doesn't ha- exactly have playoff ramifications right now, but I was out with some friends at a local establishment, and the game was on TV, and it got to a shootout, and Mike Hoffman was going in during the shootout on Robin, Robin Leonard, and he did the usual serpentine going back and forth, and he cut in front of the net, and Robin Leonard just stuck – the stick out and tripped him like they put the stick out and and Hoffman's right blade right skate went over his stick and he fell and he tripped him but he didn't get a shot off so they didn't do anything there was no penalty because it's a shootout I, I thought there would be some sort of ramification there like if you tripped him it would be an automatic you know goal or something like that but apparently not yeah I you know I I haven't seen it but uh I, I- I didn't. I didn't know that either. I. I really didn't. I. You know. I've never seen that. So. I just saw it. He reached out with his stick, Kev, as he was turning, and just hooked him, and he went right down. And you would think he would get another shot for that. Yeah. Or or just give him an automatic goal. You would think there would be some sort of, uh, negative effect on the goalie. You would think if it's not a penalty, you got to write something up about this because otherwise goalies could do this every time. Well, well, or worse. I mean, what if they worse. just take their, take their, you know, uh, paddle like it's a battle axe and yeah, just go out and you know whack the guy one time. Yeah. Or or do and the thing was it it was not it, Russ. If you saw the replay, it was not him going for the poke check. And oh no, missing. he went right for the skate. You know, remember the old remember the old rule when it was like a when it was like a one on when it was like a breakaway, a partial breakaway, or a one on one, and the and the and the forward was coming in. If the defenseman had knocked the stick, knocked the puck off the stick before he tackled the forward, they usually didn't call the penalty. Well, right. in, the, you know, in this instance, he didn't go for the pochak. It was he was going for the trip. And the only thing I can remember, you know, like to, extrapolating on what you just said, Kevin. Back in 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 the world the World Cup of Soccer in the eighties, a goal it was a, a France Germany game, and the and the West German goaltender, the, the player had a breakaway and he came out and jumped up and double kneed the French forward in the head. What's the what's to prevent a goaltender from charging out of the net and just knocking the goal knocking the forward down if that's part mm-hmm. of it? Well, I mean, I, I'll bet that that'll get talked about at the GM meetings. It will, yeah. you know, just it'll come out, and you know that almost every rule that um, you know comes about, it comes about because they didn't think of it before, and it happens, and you got to address it. Like, you yeah, know, you can't think of everything, but you know, it, it's amazing that here we are, you know, ten years later, and there's still things people, you know, everybody's always looking for an edge, you know. Well, you know, here's the other thing too. And I don't want to feed into this too much because Flyers fans will always think, hey, the refs are always against us, which is never true. But we are in the age of review. And yesterday, 
Wayne Simmons gets completely tripped on purpose, and all of a sudden, lo and behold, Tommy Wingles is free. He gives a headman pass to Brian Gianta, and he gets a, a an easy goal. And it's like, you know, somebody on the ice has to say something about that. There's no way everybody in the ice could have missed it. Like, it was just so blatant. And, you know, you can't give free goals this time of the year when games are this important. Yeah. Yeah. The, the the points lost right now. I mean, we, we'll talk about the, that Bruins game because they they it was too. I I was flipping around uh, after I got home and and watched uh, a little bit of that game, and it was two two late in the third, and then Marchand scores before the end of regulation, and the Flyers lose. I mean, you know, that point could be a big difference between you know making and missing, or being third place in the Metro, or being in the wild card. So every point counts. Yeah. Um, okay, let's get the show started here. Uh, hello, Hockey World. Today is Friday, March 9th, 2018. I'm Russ Cohen from Sportsology. And I'm Kevin Allen from USA Today Sports. And I'm Michael Agello, and this is the Hockey Buzzcast here on HockeyBuzz.com. Well, Kevin, yesterday um, we talked extensively about the whole uh, situation in Carolina with Thomas Dundon uh, relieving Ron Francis of his duties. I mean, we know that it was – he was promoted in title to president of hockey operations. And I heard interviews with him where he, he said that, you know, he wants Francis uh, as part of, you know, the, the uh, decision-making structure, but I was struck by the whole, well, the, the new GM is going to report directly to me and the emphasis on hands-on with Dundon. You know, I've heard comparisons to Mark Cuban and Jerry Jones. I don't know how far afield those are. But what is your read on the situation? Because this was, you know, there was GMs who a lot of people thought were going to get fired or, or, or you know, but, and Francis, I don't think was one of those that everybody thought was going to, it was going to happen to yeah, you know, it's interesting. When it happened, I think the reaction to me was one the same as everyone else, and that is, is oh, boy, this is going to be an owner that maybe is, is over medals. But, you know, when I thought about it, um, you know, the five-year rebuilding plan is, is now extinct. It's gone the way of the dodo bird. And, uh, uh, you know, you, you don't get five years. And this is the fourth year. And if they miss the playoffs, and it looks like they will, this will be the ninth consecutive year. And Ron Francis has been the GM for four of those. Like, you know, we should have expected this. And maybe we didn't see it coming because, you know, most of us thought that uh, Francis has done a good job and he's a classy guy and he's a smart guy and he's operated with one hand tied behind his back because of the, you know, salary uh, cap considerations and so forth. But in the real world, if a team performs the way the Hurricanes have for four seasons, the guy gets fired. In fact, he gets fired a year before. Um, you know, and the, the game has really changed now in terms of expectations on general managers. And four years is a very long time. And, you know, it doesn't mean you got to win in, within three years, but you've got to show remarkable progress. Like, uh, you know, the only reason why Kevin Dayoff and uh, could, uh, you know, get away with as long as he has for waiting for the team to perform was you can look at that roster and say, oh, boy, you know, it's coming. You know, everybody knew that the Jets were going to be a good team, and this is the year that it came. But what but about everyone, Garth Snow, though? Garth Snow, I think, has only made the playoffs twice in his whole tenure. Well, <laughs> you know, it's, it's it's shocking that he that he's still there. I mean, I think most people would would say that's you know that's true. But for the most part, I think the expectation around the league is is that 
you get three years and you better show remarkable progress in three years, not just a little progress, not just the light of day, well, but you know, so I get what you're saying. And I agree with you on, on one level, on the other level, like he has built up the farm system. It's just about there. Like when Jake Bean gets there, it'll be pretty much there. They will have assets to trade. It almost seems like the owner got in there. He saw for a month and a half that he, you know, he didn't get done what he wanted to get done at the deadline. So he makes a move and it's his right. He's the owner. It's his business. But at the end of the day, this, ha and this happens a lot, right? This happened to Dale town in Chicago. Like Ron Francis built up this team. He gets pushed upstairs. He'll transition out at some point, I'm sure. And the new guy who comes in will get credit for all these young guys when it all kicks in. Now, if he got fired on the basis of this trading deadline, which it seems there's some of that, a lot of GMs could have gotten fired based on this trading deadline because it was hard to make good trades. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, my reaction to what you just said is that's the way it's been forever. You know, the guys, you know, I mean, Brian Burke used to, you know, talk about that he benefited when he got to Anaheim from, you know, that his cupboard was not bare. Uh, you know, he was one of the few guys that would acknowledge that. So that's just kind of part and parcel of, of of how it works but you know if you had to ask me that you know whether or not ron francis is doing a good job i would have said yes um you know i thought you know i liked this team and most of us thought they were going to be improved this i think he paid a price for two reasons one is the owner wanted a more aggressive general manager if you look around the league now the top gms the guys that we all respect Hoyle, rutherford um steve eiserman um, you know, uh, even Dale Talon, even though that team is, uh, uh, you know, not for sure in the playoffs, uh, George McPhee, uh, the, the one trait that they all have is they're really, really, really aggressive general managers. They're movers and shakers. I mean, you know, Carlson was in, or, uh, excuse me, McPhee was in on Carlson for the final like half hour. And I think one, I think ownership looked around and, you know, he is friends with Cuban and Cuban's aggressive as well. And I think he wanted, and that's not Ron Francis, you know, he, that's not his, his right. makeup. And I think the other thing from what I've been told that really, really hurt him is, is that he really was all in on Darling and was really a big believer in him. And uh, that's been a disaster. There's, there's no sure. other way to look at that. And but it's not a horrible contract that's going to cripple the team. No, no, not, not at all. But it was, you know, I, I think Ron Francis, you know, basically sold everyone on the idea that this was, was going to be really a game changer for us. And, you know, he had kind of discovered the goalie uh, and that hasn't been the case and they didn't make any progress. And and this is the one thing that when I've talked to GMs around the league, they've all pointed out because everybody loves Ron Francis. But, you know, I've asked the same question, you know, what is your take on the team this year? And the team was is they've stalled. Like they, they, they didn't get any better. They're exactly the same team. Some of the guys aren't playing as well. Um, you know, some of the uh, people that everyone thought maybe might take a step up. Uh, and, uh, you know, it just didn't, uh, didn't come together. So, I mean, I, as I said, I think everyone was shocked because everyone sort of viewed uh, Ron Francis doing a good job. But I think when you look at it, uh, in his fourth year, they should be farther along. Uh, yeah. Let's say – Let's say he got aggressive, Kev, and he traded Noah Hannafin for Derek Broussard. And look, we saw George McPhee at the very end in Washington get overly aggressive because he was desperately yeah. trying to win a cup and made a really bad trade. What if he had made that trade? Would that have kept his job, even though 
clearly in well, the room, that's a I bad don't think so because everybody knows Broussard is not a number one center. So I don't think he would have uh, okay. saved his job in that regard. But or uh, or, or if he tra- or if he traded Broussard for a comparably aged forward, you know, we I mean we know that they need center. We know center help. There wasn't anything at the deadline. You know, they were in a position where they're overloaded on defense and they have something that a lot of teams out there want, but you don't want to get taken to the cleaners and trading a 21-year-old in Hannafin for a guy who's going to be a free agent after next year is not not a move that anybody would make unless they're let's say have a gun to, to their head. But if he if he could have and I think this is what the new GM will do, is it's you know, either Hannafin or Falk or one of those defensemen, they're gonna try to trade for somebody who's of the same you know, of the same age as Hannafin, you know, for a team that's loaded it with forwards. And you know, a team like Winnipeg, if they lose Truba or so some of that, you know, that would that would make a bit of sense, or or Toronto with their bet with their load of forwards. So I, I think that but 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 Francis struck me, Kevin, as, you know, being a little conservative and loving his prospects. And he should, because I think a lot of them are good. And maybe he didn't want to pull the trigger on that type of deal. That is pretty risky. Yeah, no, I, I would agree with that. Uh, But again, you know, I don't know that we know that that was exactly, sure. You know, what happened? I mean, I think we're speculating on that. Um, But I do think that the owner and, and look, I, I think alarm bells should sound, for uh, you know the the one line in this uh, press release when he said he's going to report directly to me. Yes. Well, you know that's a little bit. Uh, you know, it sounds like it's going to overmetal. And uh, you know, we saw what happened. You brought it up earlier. What you know that happened in Florida and it set him back two years. You know, because Dale Talon was on the right trajectory. Yeah. The owner thought, well, I got my guys in there. Maybe you know this job doesn't look so. I mean, I don't know if he thought this, but the way sure. to keep across is, well, GM job's not that hard. I'll have my guys kind of do what he was doing, and they moved Dale out. And what happened to the team? Um, and now well, Dale's back in, and suddenly things are looking better again. So, Kev, what do you think? There was two things. I was checking around yesterday. Let's say it takes a week to two weeks to get someone in that position, right? He, they're going to miss out on that college free agent window. Because they're not really going to have anybody there that somebody's advisor is going to take as far as gospel as the direction of the team, right? Because we don't know the direction of the team at the moment until it's sort of announced with a new guy. And then you'd have to believe this is going to get filled before the draft in case they make any changes there, right? And you hope – now, if I'm a Hurricanes fan, I hope they don't do do what Florida did and basically ignored the scouting report from the previous regime and decided – to just do their own thing because they were a new and improved Florida Panthers. That's a danger too. Yeah, no, for sure. And I, I would believe that for, they'll for sure have a GM by, uh, by the draft, but I don't think it's going to happen in two weeks. I, you know, don't you think you got to wait till the season is over and see who's available? I mean, I would have thought they would have waited till the season was over to, to make this kind of decision, to be honest. Well, the, well, that was well, the uh, that was the unusual thing was the fact yeah, that it, but there was there were rumors swirling whether Francis was going to resign, you know, like what was going to happen, and I think they were just, uh, you know, I I don't know, I'm just guessing here, but yeah. uh, you know, trying to get ahead of it. I mean, it is it was a messy situation, like that could have been handled better. Um, right, I said that yesterday. Like to me, you could have told Francis, hey. Right. You're the owner at the end of the season. This is what's going to happen, and we'll announce it at the end of the season. But they didn't do that. They grabbed headlines by doing it right away. This wasn't exactly Gerard Gallant and the and the cat. No, it wasn't that. No, was no not, not at all. And no. you know, but but I but I mean, I think again, if everybody takes a step back, 
the really the only um, this really isn't that big of a stretch to uh, to fire Ron Francis based on the history of this league. You know what what makes it unique was is the way it was sort of handled the, when it came and the fact that the owner said you know the new GM is going to report to me. But you know I you know four years that's that's a long time now uh, no. the way the way we do things. No, and, the the, unu the unusual thing is Kevin is that this was the first coach or GM fired this year. That that's very yeah. you know usually Eck writes a column and uh, like around I would say December, you know, what what coach is the first one that's going to be fired. Right. And so far, you know, I mean maybe it's maybe it's the fact that a lot of teams are doing badly like Arizona and Buffalo, they have first year coaches. If those were long-term guys like like Bilesmore, Tippett that were the the previous coaches, maybe they would have been victims. But yeah. GMs, I mean, I, you mentioned Garth Snow. I mean, I think there's a, I think there's a couple out there that once we get to like April twelfth, you know, just before the play, that that Monday Tuesday in between the last game of the regular season, and uh, and the first game of the playoffs, you're gonna hear a couple names. Yeah, I don't know. I I told you based on what I'm hearing, it's fifty fifty with Garth Snow. He may be safe. I know everybody thinks he should be out, but I'm telling you, he may be safe. Which is crazy, but that may be yeah, the way it is right now. I, I don't know, you know, like the handling of this uh, Tavares situation to me is very befuddling. Um, it is. Now, you know, you get you never know what's going on. Like, what is the direction he's getting from ownership, and right. you know, what does he know that we don't know? Right. Um, you know, with regard to what John has told them, so you know, there could be more to it. And then, uh, uh, you know, you hate to get too far ahead of it, but right. you know, you know, frankly, this uh, this. Islanders team has really not behaved like you would expect for a team that really should yeah. be pushed all in to try to make the playoffs. Um, yeah, there was there was no desperation at the at the deadline. They didn't make a move, and you know, I, I wouldn't have advocated a like a, an irresponsible move, but I thought you know a goaltender with their goal goaltending being as inconsistent as it has, or their defense that's had a bunch of injuries. I thought you know they would have tried something. Now they've I think they've lost eight in a row now, so the, the yeah. playoffs are 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 way are way out of you know. There's no way now, so. Now it's yeah whether they have some sort of agreement with Tavares or there's some understanding of well I'm going to give you the last crack I'm going to go to the that five day I think that's the understanding but that doesn't mean you're going to keep them no I I mean yeah. unless they're unless they're prepared Kevin to write a blank check and the thing is I don't even think that's going to work it's like it's got to be more than just I want to make the most money it's got to be do I have a chance to win and I with this organization the way they've been operated the last. You know the way they've been run the last few years. I don't know whether they ever can. Well, here's the interesting thing part that we're or two things. First of all, about the goalie situation, like I, they reached the conclusion there that, and and I think this is true that uh, you know in the before the trade deadline, their goaltending had been better. Now mm -hmm. it, it had been better, but you know my thought on it was it's no different than during a game when sometimes a goalie gives up three goals, none of which were his fault. But you change the goalie just to kind of shake up the team and get everybody thinking a different because there's no greater way to change a team than to change the guy in that. So, right. you know, this wasn't a game. This was the season. But why not do that? Like, why not have have uh, competed and got Peter Mrazek? And we can talk about whether that's going to be a good move or a bad move for Philadelphia. <laughs> but, but the you know, let's just say, why didn't just bring in an inexpensive goalie? Right. Just change it up. Just, 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 just to see, like, that's what I didn't understand. Like, 
there were guys available that you could have brought in that wouldn't have cost you much that at least would have sent a message. All right, you know, we're going to try to get him spark. You know, the maybe, thing that, the thing that makes you spot, but it makes you scratch your head, Kev, because the GM is a former goalie. You would think if nothing else, he would have a good handle on that. And he has the least of a, at least handle on that. Like that's the thing he has the worst handle of. It's uh, bizarre. Well, here's, here's the point I wanted to make about Tavares too. I, I had an exercise when I went through with a GM uh, on the phone, uh, talking about, you know, he, he pointed out that, you know, everybody talks as if Tavares has got a clean board that he can go to. And he said, you know, we've gone through and looked at it and how many teams can really afford or really, you know, have the space, uh, and roster configuration to bring him in. He said, it's very limited. And he goes, you know, I've heard like the Montreal Canadians, and he said, I laugh at that. He said, now, he said, you know, I don't know John Tavares personally, but I know enough about what happens in this game to tell you that I am 90% certain that he is not going to sign with the Montreal Canadiens. Sure. Right. And, and he said, you know, if you go around, there are teams he's just not going to sign with. You know, right. they have the cap space. So he said, what you're talking about right now, he said, John Tavares is looking at maybe two or three teams. And what he has to decide yeah, I, think, I think three teams is right. And he said what he has to decide is, is are those three teams because not because all of those three teams, you know, um are there there's something about them that you know isn't perfect, you know, for him. And he right. said he's got to decide is the comfort he feels in Long Island with his teammates, mm-hmm. um, you know, is is that worth more than going to this uh uh one of these other three spots? And, yeah, but he knows if he walks through the doors of MSG, he's got a goalie. They are resetting, and they probably could be competitive next year if he's there. Like he knows that, and they can offer, and they could offer, and him they could offer him a lot of money. They have cap space, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've heard well, the money is going to be the same. Everybody's going to give him the money. I don't think the Islander money will be the same. I don't think they'll match everybody. I, I think it will be. Well, so. Russ, the thing is, if it, if it isn't, then he's definitely gone. I think the one the one well, thing you, you the, the one thing that you can go back to in terms of the Islanders is the eighth year, and 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 them basically, you know, I mean, they're the, they're not in cap trouble. They they have money dropping off. I think they have ten they or five million. And they're not making tons of money, like I said yesterday. And it's three years from a new arena, and so. That's why I don't think they're going to offer him the most. Like Vegas could probably offer him the most, right? Because they have the least amount of money on the books. Right. But he probably won't go there because he's probably not going to be comfortable in that city. So well, that's you know that's where you say, okay, that's that's probably not a fit. And and I could be completely wrong here, but I mean, there's always been this speculation that you know to, after Stamkos in Toronto, that that Tavares in Toronto would be a natural. I don't think they're going that. I don't think the Leafs, you know, they maybe. Maybe they would be interested in Tavares if he if he would sign out like a one year deal, which he's not going to do. He's going to look for the max, and he's looking for as much money as possible. But with them having to pay Matthews probably next year, I don't think you can pay Matthews twelve million and then sign Tavares for ten or eleven million. Oh, yeah. So I I don't I think this fallacy that Toronto is out there in the Tavares sweepstakes is is just that. And you know I don't the biggest realistic. problem with the Islanders, and this has been going on since DPHO retired and really since he was drafted, they can't produce a homegrown goalie. Everybody talks about the Flyers and rips them. The Islanders' situation is even worse. Now, they have a couple of guys now in Sorokin and Soderstrom, but right. they're still a couple of years away. 
Think about the last time they had a good homegrown goalie. They've been signing free agent goalies and older goalies forever now yeah. and, and just doing temporary fixes. And, and Kev, if I'm Tavares, like, I got to look at that because now I got to look at these two young goalies and talk to somebody and decide, can one of these guys be the guy? Because literally he could be given up another two, three, four years of this deal, which is getting deep into his career right. before he really has a chance to win the Stanley Cup. Well, and you're always just guessing, like with yeah. the prospects. I mean, yep. You know, like he could go get all the experts in the world to tell him, well, what do you think about these two goalies? And you just don't know, especially with goalies. That's the hardest thing to kind of project. I mean, you think these kids are going to be good, but you don't really know. But yeah, you know, getting back to your original uh, question, Mike, and I think it's a good one. Is is like you know who's in trouble among GMs? I mean, you got to start with Peter Shirelli and. Uh, at Edmonton, I, I I would venture that he's uh, he's gone, um, yeah. and and that means McClellan will be gone as well. Right. Um, I I think Bergeron is in trouble in Montreal. Uh, that would be my sense as well. I think so. I mean, I, it, it's strange that he would be in trouble. Even I mean, yes, they can eat money, but they just signed him to an extension, just like Dorian was signed to an extension in Ottawa, and and to 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 fire him after you've already extended him is just it's so. It of, happens. It does it happen. Does, it does happen, and, and it, it does, does happen, but not very often. That's why I think you know it, it 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 you're being bold if you think he's in trouble, but you know it just doesn't seem like. Um, they're headed in the right direction uh, right. at this point. And, uh, you know, I know I, I'm sympathized uh, with uh, Bergman because uh, I, I really like him. He was one of the funniest guys. He's a likable guy, and, he, and, he, he, and he's not a dumb guy. He's oh, not. no, I think he's really, really smart. But it doesn't help him. You know, he has said so many times, well, you know, there's no number one centers available or whatever. And yet, you know, I look around, and, you know, guys like Jim Rutherford – always find a way to get what they need, you know, and, uh, yeah. you know, David Poyle traded for a number one center and Ryan Johansson, um, yeah. you know, you can get it done. You just got to be creative. He and doesn't you doesn't want to give up the assets. That's the one thing about Bergevin is he, he had his, had built some assets. He doesn't like to give them up and it is hurting them. There's no question. Yeah. Well, yeah. but, but he did. But he did give up a top asset in Sergachev for Duran. And if you look at Duran, it like in the second half, he's fall. He's fallen off. Yeah, right? but Duran's not going to kill you long term. Like that trade, yes, Sergachev. You'd all like to say yes that they won that trade because he's a defenseman, right? End of right. the day, they'll find the right thing for Duran. I've watched him play this year. He's been playing pretty good. I don't. It's just a bad team, so I'm not worried about that trade so much. And the fans were sold at him being a center, and yeah, and that really was never going to happen. Yeah, but but they but they but they sold it, Russ. They, I they, know. They, he, was, he was their number one center on opening night. I know, but that's that's what you have to do sometimes when you're not able to do it. I mean, look, yeah. even the Rangers had to get Zabanajad and put him in the number one spot. Is he a true number one center? No. Was Derek Stepan a true number one center? No, this there's tons of teams that don't have true number one centers. It's not just those teams. Now, Kevin, I don't think this guy is in trouble because he's a, Stan, a Stanley Cup winning general manager and extremely well respected, and you know considered one of the best GMs in the game. But we do know that you know Ken Holland's contract runs out at the end of the year, and all the speculation has been Seattle. You know, like that. The, 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 it's that's going in hyperdrive that Seattle is going to get named the, the 32nd team probably by June or July. And that, you know, that Ken Holland will, will be the, the, the guy who, who runs Seattle. What have you heard or what do you think of that, of that scenario? Well, you know, I don't know what to make of it. Uh, you know, I think that, 
uh, nobody in Detroit seems to have an, any idea what's going to happen there. Um, I, it's hard for me to believe that the Illich family would throw him overboard. Uh, you know, you know, Marion Illich uh, is, still has a say in the family business, and you know, she is quite fond of uh, uh, of Ken Holland. Uh, I just, and I, it's hard for me to believe that you know Ken would want to kind of start over. Now that is out in his neighborhood. He's out. It is you know, from uh, you know BC. And nowadays, it's not quite the horrible job that it once was. I mean, George McPhee has pointed out that you can, you know, actually uh, uh, you know, renovate your career uh, by taking over expansion. I mean, he's now, you know, the, the level of respect for George McPhee, but for what he has done there is at an all-time high. Um, yeah. Well, what if it's just Holland wants to be closer to home and be closer to where he was from. Like, they can't I mean, find yeah, that. I mean, that's possible. I mean, he, I, I, you know, we just don't know. Like, no one yeah. seems to know. I've talked to a lot of people uh, who know Ken really well, and no one has a real handle on it. And, you know, he's under tremendous pressure in Detroit from the fan base, which you know, a lot of GMs can ignore that. But, uh, you know, Ken is uh, overly sensitive about the fan, um, you know, unrest. And, uh so we're going to have to see uh, what happens there. I, you know, he knows what the issue is. I've, you know, he has said publicly we have to draft better. Um, you know, I think one of the things that's lost on people is when Jim Neal left, that was a, a a major loss. But he also took with him other scouts, and yes. they were really good scouts. Yeah. And uh, uh, you know, the Red Wings have never really, you know, when I, to me, their problem has not been. They always point out, well, you know, we've been so good, we've drafted so low. But my criticism of their drafts would not be with what happened with their first picks, but what happens with their lower round picks. Right. I agree with you on that. You, you look at like the New Jersey Devils this year, and they're benefiting from a fourth round pick who uh, has been a terrific uh, rookie. And the Pittsburgh Penguins, you know, every time they need to plug a hole, it's some guy that they've drafted or Ray Sherrill mm -hmm. drafted before Rutherford got there that, you know, plugs right in and seems to be a player. And, um, the Red Wings don't have those guys. You look at right. down their roster, you know, other than the top guys, they're not getting those later round picks that are, you know, right. plugging in and helping. Well, I mean, I could give a preview, Kev. We, we, we're talking about the Red Wings this week on Hockey Prospect Radio. And so in a couple different ways with the Red Wings, and then we're also talking about their AHL club. And when we got into discussion about the AHL club, really it's, it's Philip Roenick, there's Dominic Turgeon, Svechnikov's coming along, but we don't know exactly where he's at. And he just got called up. Yeah, and he just got called up, and and Caro just got called up, and after that, yeah, it's it's thin there. Well, you know, you know, and it may be over a lot of veterans. It may be oversimplistic, but I mean, it, it, the Swedish pipeline, which is what what you know, they got all those players in fourth, fifth, sixth rounds. It's sort of dried up now. It may be the fact that other teams, you know, like Toronto and and other other organizations have put a lot more stock in European scouting in Sweden, is. in Finland, and Russia, and yeah. they don't have that ex exclusivity anymore. But I mean, that does have an effect. You know, they may have been able to rely on getting players in those late rounds, and now there's too much competition, and and it's they caught up to them that way. Yeah. I think. Well, I mean, I think there's something something to that, uh, to be sure. So, yeah, I mean, there, uh, you know, Tyler Wright is under a lot of pressure in Detroit too to, to deliver. Uh, and he's a busy guy. Like he's hard. Just so people know, 
This guy is literally everywhere. When we try and pin him down for our show, sometimes he has to cancel because he's on a flight here. He's going to there. Like they're working hard, but it's it's not the easiest thing to do when you're trying to build it up again from the ground up. It really does take a long time. Now, now, Kev, do you? And this is sort of switching to coach rather than general manager because I think I think Stan Bowman is safe in Chicago. But there has been a lot of talk throughout the year about, you know, Chicago sort of tailing off and maybe maybe Joel Quinn. Now, the thing is, if Joel Quinville gets fired, he'll get gobbled up in three seconds. But there has been some talk of the possibility of maybe Quinville getting fired in Chicago. What do you think? Yeah, I've heard that as well. And I just wonder whether the if he is fired, it would be under the flag of that they just need a new voice. And because, um, you know, how can you? You know, but look, Dean Lombardi won Stanley Cups in Los Angeles in 2012 and 2014. By 2017, he was unemployed. You know, I mean, that's uh, not true. Weird. He is working. He's but, with the Flyers. He's just like undercover with the Flyers. He's but Dean double secret there. probation. That's what he's he is out there, Kev. Yeah, but uh, you know, well, but he's not working as a GM. He's not. Yeah, he is not working as a. GM. <laughs> but um, you know, so my point is, is that you know. It doesn't take long. Like you, you soon forget that uh, uh, you know what you did at uh, in 2014 uh, doesn't matter anymore in 2017. So, well, but here's the thing: is it possible, Kev, that Quenville just wants out, and it started with Yarmelson? Like almost like like what else could you take away from me as a coach? I'm not a miracle worker here. Yeah, well, maybe, but I, you know, I I don't he know. Walked out of the draft. I've never seen. A coach, especially from the home team, you know, the host city, walk out of a draft. We've never seen that happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what to make of all that. But I, um, I, would, I wouldn't be shocked if he's gone one way or the other. But uh, and, um, and, I can, and I can start the speculation right now. If they clean house in Edmonton and Quenville gets fired in Chicago – Mark my words, Quenville, Quenville coaching Connor McDavid will be, I mean, I don't know if it'll happen, but I'm saying, you know, the temptation of having arguably the league's best 21 year old and being a guy who could, you know, maybe turn that or, I mean, you know, Babcock came to Toronto to turn the Maple Leafs around and win a Stanley cup. And that would, that would definitely bolster his reputation. I think it would bolster Quenville's reputation. And if it, if it even needs. But not every coach wants that, Mike. Like, remember, yeah. Phil Jackson didn't go to the New Jersey Nets. He could have tried to turn them around, and he shied away from the job. Like, sometimes coaches don't want that massive challenge either. Yeah, he went to the Knicks and collected $15 million. <laughs> you know, he could hit the lottery and collect and collected $15 million bucks. Right, but, uh, you know, Russ is right. I mean, they, you know, in Detroit, everybody wants Steve Eiserman to come back, but right. uh, you know, uh, why would he come back? Like, exactly. would, it could only do bad things for his reputation. Like, he's right. God in yeah, Michigan, right. so why would he leave this incredibly good situation he has in Tampa to right. come back? Where you know he can't get bigger or have a greater reputation in Detroit than he has now. Right. So you know, I don't know the challenge of winning in Detroit. Detroit's won before. It's not like he's you know, bringing him back. So I, I, I don't see him ever come back to Detroit. Why would he leave? I mean, he's got a great owner in Tampa. Yep. And he's done a good job there. They have a deep farm system. Like they got everything going for him. Yeah. yeah the only, the only, the only and, I, and, I, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying he's in danger. I don't know. But look, just based on like 
their lack of progress getting, you know, getting to a conference final or win, winning on a consistent, I mean, they've made the playoffs, but Minnesota has sort of been like a, a middle of the road team. They've been a playoff team. They've been a successful organization, but I, I just wonder, you know, they've never gotten to that next level. And I wonder how long Chuck Fletcher, you know, if it, whether he's in trouble or whether it's something that, you know, they'll just stick with them. And, you know, I know he's a good hockey man, but I, I, I wonder, yeah. you know, I'm with you on that. I, I think uh, at some That's point he has to be held accountable. Uh, you know, that they've not they've failed to progress. Um, you know, we keep seeing almost the same team every year, and they don't perform quite as well as we think they should. Mm-hmm. The only thing I would say is in um, Craig Leopold's short, uh, you know, it's not like he's been around 40 years, but yeah. he has been around long enough that he's got sort of a, uh, a reputation and an M.O., and he's a pretty loyal guy. Like he's not a guy mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, throws people overboard. So uh, it'll be interesting to see, but like if they flame out again, uh, I, I don't know, you know, someone has to be held accountable. Speaking and, of which branch or living has to be a name in that list because his team might be flaming out and they shouldn't be. Didn't, yeah. didn't he get the extension? It doesn't matter, Mike. I mean, again, well, it does. I mean, it does. It matters in this way. I mean, you know, Russ, that there's, that there's been only there's there's only been a few guys who have gotten true fired after their extension. I mean, it has happened, but um, no. But think about it. Think about the preseason expectations for this team. Sure. And and he is the guy in charge. Brian Burke really is not the guy in charge, right? So he's not going to take the brunt of anything. But if the Calgary Flames don't make the playoffs, that's a massive disappointment because I even thought they could go pretty far in the playoffs. Yeah. And then to not make it at all, and then to see what happened to him last year, like it's, well, I think it could be iffy with him too. I really do. Well, well the I, don't, I don't think so, but you know, it's just a guess on my part. I, you know, he yeah, might, guess it too, he right? might be, he might be my Ron, Ron Francis. Yeah. You know, like you know, where I when I'm done, I got to take another step back and go, well, shoot, because I like Brad Tree Living, and I think he's mm-hmm. the so I may take a step back and go, you know, Russ was right, you know. <laughs> The, yeah. the funny the funny thing is is that and nobody expected this after they made this deal when we are when we were at the draft Russ and, and where we hear that they trade three high draft picks for for Travis Hamanick I don't think anybody thought that the first round pick that they were trading in that deal would be a lottery pick but if Calgary right. misses the, that and that's means- another issue in the, all of this too Kev it's true that Hamanick deal has not worked out well. Yeah, speaking, of, you know, you mentioned Ken Holland uh, as the Seattle guy, and I, I tend to believe they would, you know, want to go with, you know, one of the younger sect, uh, you know, maybe like McCrimmon in, uh, in yeah, Vegas, or, who's gone through that. And I don't I, know, Vegas went with McPhee though, and he's not young. Uh, well, no offense, George. No well, 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 yeah, but I, he I, looks I, good. He does. Yeah, yeah, um, but. Uh, but a guy that I think is that no one's talking about that that I would consider if I was it would be Brian Burke. You know, if you're, yeah, sure. you know, a guy who's been around the block, who's you know has spent a lot of time out in Vancouver, mm-hmm. um, is known for his organization, his management. Uh, so he'd put together a, you know, a great uh, system. Um, and you know, you're still. I mean, not that if you got 32,000 names and deposits, you don't need to do too much selling, but you want to still market the team, and he would be a big boy. No, Burke would be a great, great guy for that because even if it's just for the first couple of years, for the first two, three years, I could see there's there's merit in that for sure. 
he yeah. he would do something for that Seattle that burgeoning Seattle uh, Vancouver rivalry because yeah. Well, I talked to uh, Liwicky. I'm doing a big piece on that next uh, week, and I talked to Liwicky, and they sold a thousand tickets in Canada, um, which yeah, that's is good. really significant. Yeah, and and you know what? It, it, in terms of the success and the turnaround of the Toronto franchise and and MLS and E, you know, Lewicki is not given as much credit as he deserves in retrospect because not only did he hire he hired Brendan Shanahan, he hired Masai Ujiri as the as the Raptors GM, and he's had a lot of success. They're one of the best teams in the NBA right now, mm-hmm. and you know, so he put them on the right track. He hired the right people. He stayed out of their business, and then he went he went someplace else. And, you know, now Toronto, now just transitioning to them and then we'll get off the GM talk. You know, a lot of stuff came out last week at the, at, uh, uh, on last week, Saturday about, uh, Lou Lamorello's future. And we've talked about that off and on, but it's starting to gain a little momentum during the week because it's thought that Kyle Dubas, who, uh, they signed to an extension last year after he got some interest from Colorado that, you know, he may get interest from from Carolina or from other teams and that the Leafs probably will not give any of these teams any permission. It looks, Kevin, like they're saying, keep your hands off of Dubas. He's the next guy. But the question is when and, you know, well, I, I here's what I think you got to do. I, man, I I don't have any idea, but I'm guessing they might have overpaid Dubas with yes. the idea uh-huh. of that. You know, look, you just got to be patient. You're a young guy. Lamarillo deserves to go as long as he wants, but you know, he can't do this job at 80. Right. So it sooner or later, and you might maybe what you say to Lamarillo is, uh, Lou will give you two, two more years or whatever it is. And uh, uh, you know, to, to me, he's gonna want more than one, but you can't give him three, so maybe two is right in the middle, and then you, you just you know, you, it's all above board, and you just work it out. and. Um, you know, he gets paid. The Dubas gets paid, but uh, Lou gets to to stay around, and it can all work out in a very positive fashion. Yeah, yeah I out, well, I remember when the Jets did that with Bill Belichick; it worked out great. Just because <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the 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 one thing, Kev, is that Shanahan has said at one point during the year that he wants to keep the same group together in in the immediate future and that makes sense especially with the contracts coming up right now with with matthews with nealander with marner i mean they may not sign marner this summer because he's got another year on his entry level but especially matthews and especially nealander and look at the, the job that lamorello has done getting Kadri, anderson riley a number of number of the players signed to more economical deals he did the same thing in new jersey he's doing the same thing in toronto and if you can get matthews and neander for a little less than everybody is expecting that can have ramifications down the road so I, that's why i think they want they want lou maybe to stay around maybe one more year then i think that you know they're going to have to give dubas the job pretty soon because they're yeah. basically blocking everybody else right. from, from and he you know i think he wants the job obviously it's a, it's a plum job but eventually you have to actually give it to him well you do but i but i do think because it is the maple leaves like they have the right uh to ask him to wait 2 years if mm-hmm. that's what it takes you they know do. um yeah. you know because it is such an incredible job and to be honest, I don't know where he's going to go, but there aren't too many places to me that's worth that I got to go now 
to if you have a promise, you're going to be the GM of Toronto in two years. So I like if Lou wants two years, I give it to him. Well, here's the thing. All right, so Kev, let's say Seattle says Kyle Dubas, you're our new GM. We got to take you now, though, because you've got to like start doing things ahead of time before we get the franchise and everything else. Would he do that leap, or would he take the leaps on his word that it's going to be two years, even though he's been waiting a long time? Like that's probably the battle too. Well, it would be, but if I was him, I would, I would wait it out. So. Well, Shanahan's going nowhere. Right. Yeah. Shanahan's going to be the, the president for the foreseeable future. So, and I think, I think with with that in place, that that Dubis's place as the next GM, you know, I, I, there's, you know, they've they've kept everything in house. Nobody knows for sure what's going on. That's prototypical of the Leafs under Lamorello, and I don't think we ever will know. All we'll know is basic little whispers, and we won't have any indication. Right. They'll just drop. They'll just drop it on us on one day. Yeah, and, and it might already be done. Yeah, I well, the, that was the speculation that after the whole Colorado thing last year, they had a meeting and it was aired out in the open, you know, how long Lou's tenure would be. And then they signed Dubas to a two year extension. So, and he's be, according to other reports, he's being paid handsomely. So that's consistent with what you just said, Kev. So I, I think it's either going to be this summer or next summer. Maybe they, I think maybe they give him one more year. And cause I don't think Lou is going to take a senior advisor role in a back seat. He, he did that in New Jersey for about five seconds and then got, you know, no, no, that's told. right. And I, you know, I, and it's really, this job has reinvigorated him. So. Yeah. All yeah. right. A couple, couple yeah. things about, uh, about this, you know, the schedule and where teams are going right now, you know, Maybe it's possible that Nashville is peaking too early, but uh, I'll take a ten-game winning streak right now. They're they're playing amazing hockey. Uh, Rene is playing incredible. Uh, not you know they're they're healthy, relatively healthy. I mean they, Kevin. I mean I don't think it's out of the question to say they're you know they have they're the odds-on favorite to go back to the cup uh, from the Western Conference again. Completely agree, and I'm not so sure they're not the favorite to win it. Uh, you know, they're so much better than they were last season, and you know they were they seemed to be almost a team of destiny last year. So you know the key in all that, and you just hit upon it, is Rennie still playing at an incredible high level, right? Um, and that that's the key for them. But they have so much else going. I mean, they're top four. Who can compete with that? I mean, you know, Tampa's I'm still pretty- sticking with Anaheim. I think Anaheim could still give them a really hard time. And I'm not going to count on a high note. Well, this is the NHL, so you can say that, and you're absolutely right, you know, without clear, but uh, without fear of contradiction. But I, I do think the Nashville's been very, very impressive at the way they've. Uh, oh no, they've been great. I mean, and and <laughs> they don't seem they don't seem to have many weaknesses. But sometimes matchups, like it's just you know matchups of styles, like in boxing, sometimes you just never know. You the team two teams match up, and then it just doesn't go the way you expect. Yeah. It doesn't happen. Yeah, no, that's that's right. You're right. And, and I and I, you know, Russ, Anaheim has coming has come has come on in the last month or so. They've you know they got Kessler back. Most of their injured players are back. I mean, Gibson had that little hiccup a couple weeks ago, but he's back. They're yeah. seven two and one in their last ten games. They're experienced. They have veterans. They're you know, I mean, yeah, and they're it, built. For, they're built for playoff hockey. You can see it. Yeah, right. And then in consecutive years, they've they basically had bad first halves with injuries, and then second half they get everybody back and they just go on a roll. And I, I think that's, you know, that's probably going to be the case this year. I, I don't think, you know, I mean, we know that it was Gibson's injury and Bernier uh, playing in game five and game six that really killed them. 
I think their advantage is the fact that I think Vegas is starting to come back down to reality. I mean, they're 500. They're, they beat the Red Wings uh, last night. They're five, four, and one in their last ten games. They're still playing great. They're split, still playing way beyond, beyond expectations. But I look at I look at them in the playoffs, and if they face LA or if they face Anaheim, Kev, that to me that ends the Cinderella story. Well, they, you know, they got, uh, I just wrote a story about that this morning. Uh, they have, right now they have Dallas if it ended today. Um, but, you know, what's interesting about that is, and you're right on, you know, I, I actually chuckled to myself because, you know, this is going so well for the Golden Knights this season that even this, you know, they lost uh, uh, four games out of five. Uh, even that, they saw the silver lining in that. Like, they needed some adversity is the way they sort of phrased it because everything had gone so well for them. And, you know, they're beat up. You know, Schmidt's hurt. Neal's hurt. Um, uh, Riley Smith is hurt. Uh, Sabiz is hurt. Uh, they have seven guys that are uh, out of – I saw them in Detroit last night. They have seven guys that are hurt. Um, so they're dealing with some injuries and they're kind of, um, you know, trying to deal through that. But the other issue is, and I'm sure Russ could come on, on this too, but you know, they were playing sort of playoff style hockey in October and right. teams usually can't do that. And, but they were just so jacked up. And now I think the top teams are playing at a higher level. And I think the, the league is kind of caught up to them a little bit. Um, yeah, so it's I much harder good. for them. And, I mean, uh, short of Flurry's shutout yesterday, you're right. I mean, yeah, yeah, they're just so. But I, you know, I, you know, I, I would as good as they've been. You know, I would be surprised if they made a long playoffs. Like I believe in them, but you know, uh, I also think that Predators are a great team and they've been there and they're experienced. And you know, we've talked about the Ducks and how good. You know, they could have easily gone to the finals last year as well. The Ducks, so. Um, there's just a lot of good teams there that have a lot more experience in the playoffs than the. Yeah, big and here's teams. here's the one thing for the Ducks though, I truly believe that if the Regina Pat season goes ends sort of quickly, Same you could see Sam Sam Steele playing for Anaheim. He is ready, and that could be a big guy to add to that lineup with the skill that he's got and everything else, and the smarts and just the youthful legs to all of a sudden come in. I mean. I, I think that could be big. Yeah, no, and the Predators are going to get Tolvin in. So, yeah, there's going to be some younger players, some infusion of talent. And, boy, Hartman has really fit in well. And Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you knew he would, though. Yeah, no, no, that's right. That's and, right. So. And uh, Dallas might be a little easier for Vegas to beat now that uh, apparently Martin Hansel is out for the rest of the season, uh, having he's out for six to seven months. I, don't, I think it was a hit. Mike, we do have some breaking news. Go ahead. Matthew from the chat room said that per Pierre Lebrun, Carolina has requested to speak to Michael Fuda. And, you know, Michael Fuda is one of those names that you would expect with Dubas that would be on the cutting edge for Carolina to want to uh, hire. Yes. Here's the thing. I mean, I know Mike. I see him at events. I don't know him personally. He mm. seems very comfortable in L.A. I, I, And he gets paid way more in his position than most guys – and even other GMs, sure. Like like Kevin said, he he gets paid well. I don't see him going to Carolina and leaving no. LA. Not for that job. I don't think he would do it for that job. That's just my guess, though. 
No, but the funny thing, the funny thing was, and we, we, Kevin, we mentioned a bunch of names yesterday and they were the usual suspects, you know, uh, Julian Brisebois, Pat Verbeek, uh, Tom Fitzgerald, the name, uh, the two names that came up, uh, Peter Tessier mentioned Lawrence Gilman that was mentioned by, by LeBron yesterday. And Dave Nonis was mentioned as well, oh. uh, which is not, which is not surprising. Cause you know, he's, I mean, we know his tenure in Toronto was a little tr problematic, but it, he did do a pretty decent job in Vancouver for a time. And uh, so, I mean, we don't, you know, we don't know what direction they're going to go, but Fuda, I mean, yeah, he, I, I you, you probably right. Russ, I mean, he, he, he. I know the Leafs were interested in him when they were doing their original search, and yeah. it didn't even get close. So, yeah. Um, flip into the East, and then we'll we'll end the show here. Um, I mean, Tampa Bay is running away. You know, they'll have home ice advantage through the conference final. Um, you know, they've added all their. Uh, it's basically the New York Rangers South uh, <laughs> in Tampa Bay, and Ryan uh, McDonough said, "Don't call him that. I don't want to piss off Ryan McDonough, so I'm not going to call him that." Well, okay, but it's but I mean, how how, how many ex Rangers are there right now? I know, I know. Four? It's the same way with them when the Rangers had all the Edmonton players. I get it. Right, and 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 Kevin, until the Pittsburgh Penguins are vanquished, until they're beaten, yeah, I'm going to continue to think that they're going to be the one. But I have to say <laughs> that it, it's it, it's it's not Mark Andre Fleury backing up Matt Murray. It's Tristan Jerry, and if it's Tristan Jerry. Then I don't think it's a foregone conclusion that they're going to be in the in the Stanley Cup final from the East. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. I, the one thing I do think that ha has occurred is is it amazing to me that uh, nobody is really sort of raving about how good Malkin has been. I was yeah. just going to talk about that, Kev, but I didn't yeah. want to interrupt you. He's having yeah. a hard year. He is. He is having an unbelievable season, and his numbers have been remarkable over the last you know month and a half, um, yeah. and. You know, they're just playing at a high level. Like, you know, it's like anything else. And we said this last year, too. You know, is their defense good enough? Uh, and they didn't have Latang. It didn't look like they were good enough. They got Latang now. But, they, you know, they're not as, quite as deep as they were a year ago. I mean, you know, Daly is off that team now. And, uh, um, there's no Ian Cole who played pretty well for them. So uh, it is interesting that for as good as a job as Jim Rutherford has done, and he's done a, an unbelievable job, there's a little unrest in Pittsburgh over the loss of Ian Cole. Sure, like, I, I could see it. I mean, because it's the perception. And But again, I watched Pittsburgh down a couple guys, really doing the Flyers. The Flyers had that 2-1 lead and then never really had a chance. And I got to tell you, Tristan Jarry made some unbelievable saves in that game. I've always been a supporter. I do think he's getting better. Do I think he's cut better? Not necessarily, but when you have a team that knows how to win the Stanley Cup, you know what? A goalie yeah. like Tristan Jarry probably could win the Stanley Cup because they have so many guys that have that experience. It's just the unknown factor, Russ. It's I the know. fact that you know, know that we knew we knew Fleury could do it because he didn't know it didn't know nine. We knew Murray could do it last year, and they had that plan B that was you know. I mean, no, most teams don't have that kind of luxury. So mm, the sure. one thing Jarry's got going for him is he's, he's playing in games that matter. Where it's not like he's playing like you know Penguins have like a twenty point lead and he's just mopping up the rest of the season waiting for the playoffs. You know he's playing in games that matter with a really high intensity, so that's going to help him. And the and the other two teams I want to touch on before we end the show, uh, Boston and Washington. With Boston, they've been struck by the injury bug. I mean, there's no no question that they're still playing at a high level, but Bergeron is out, and I think they're just being careful with him. It's only they said two weeks. I think they'll probably give him another week because him being at, at close to 100 percent is you know 
they need him to be that effective. And McAvoy out for four weeks. Uh, and I know Rask was out for a little bit, but then he came back yesterday and played. He was good yesterday, but I'm yeah. going to tell you something. Boston plays on the edge as Marshawn plays on the edge, and Marshawn's been one of the best players in hockey for the last month. However, the dirty factor in that game against the Flyers was on display, and yeah. they got a lot of favorable calls. They did, and they're going to have to get that to make it to the Stanley Cup because I think they do have a talented team, but I also think that's the way they're going to have to play. They're they're almost going to have to be that team that everybody hates. Yeah. They hate Marshawn, and you make mistakes against them. But they're also going to have to have the refs calling in their favor because they, like I said, that game yesterday was was a tough one for the Flyers in, in a couple of different calls. And, look, I know the Flyers used to have a reputation for being that kind of team. They're not, but the Bruins are. And Marshan got fined today for embellishment by the league. Um, yeah. The other one – the other one, care. He may no, he doesn't care. Of course he doesn't. Kevin, the other the other team is Washington. I mean, they were impressive last week in that outdoor game in Annapolis. But, um, you know, Holtby, uh, they went out on the West Coast, played Anaheim. Holtby gets pulled. I was shocked. He's been pulled from a game seven times this year. Yeah. Which, you know, that for a goaltender of, of his high high standing, that's a little surprising. And I, I think, you know, they've had a good season. They're going to make the playoffs. Ovechkin has been phenomenal. But the problem is that they never really replaced that depth. Well, I think the biggest issue for them is, and the one that actually is a positive for them, is, is that nobody's talking about them. You know, maybe after all the high expectations and, uh, um, you know, believing that this was going to be the Capitals' year and then them disappointing everyone, now no one's talking about them. Maybe that's what they need. Maybe they need to fly under the radar a little bit. But, um, you know, Vetchkin is playing, you know, terrific. Uh, their defense, Carlson's had a really strong season. Uh, you know, their defense is is still pretty strong. And if Holpe measures up, like, they're still a factor. Like, they're capable of beating, sure. you know, top teams in a seven-game series. So, but I, you know, I they're just not as deep as they were. You know, that's the biggest problem. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the biggest problem. It's the, it's the team in front of them. We said it yesterday. I don't think it's all on, on Holpe. I don't. And they and they have the they have to slay the Pittsburgh Dragon. Yeah, well, like like you know, again, so many teams have had teams that block them along the way. And if you do want to win a cup, you know, you could ask, you know, the Knicks with the Chicago Bulls. You could go in so many sports, and that's always the case. And there there has to be a year when you do it. Otherwise, you'll never do it. Yep. All right, guys, great show. Uh, thank you very much, Kevin. Uh, uh, we will be back on Monday with another edition of the Hockey Buzzcast for Kevin Allen, for Russ Cohen. I'm Michael Agello. Thanks for watching. And remember, without the buzz, it's just hockey. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.